Good guys. afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. What's going on? It's been a few weeks. Um, business, personal, travel for all of that. We've been kind of doing different things. So first order um, of business, I, uh, I think we should, uh, because of all of our travel, we should probably have someone buy me a cup of coffee. They can donate right there and, and uh, you know. I like how that went right over the top of me. Thanks. Appreciate that. Buy yourself a cup of coffee. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm trying to cut um, I'll just email right, it to gonna, you. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about um, something obviously topical uh, with, with the uh, <clears throat> bank industry. Um, some ideas to, and, and uh, best practices to help prevent wire fraud before we get into that. I'm Brian Bradshaw with BNL PC Solutions based out of Hop Hog, Long Island, New York. David Luft with LDD Consulting out of the Green Chile, Green Chile capital of the United States, which is Albuquerque, New Mexico, LDD Consulting. And I'm Dave Groot with Windstar Technologies in Culpeper, Virginia. And Brandon Bowers with Eisenramper Managed Technology Services out of sunny South Florida. And I will be in sunny South Florida tomorrow. Oh, it's Honestly, beautiful here right now. Yeah, my son's leaving Fort Lauderdale now. He's heading over to, to Tampa with a, a nice little trip down there. All right, so um, SVB uh, signature, uh, these collapses. I mean, it, it's um, been a while since we've had something like this, uh, of this magnitude. I think it was, what, 08 or something like that, that, that we had uh, some, some government bailouts. But um, I think these are... Um, at least for Signature, which is a New York-based um, regional bank, there were ended up being pretty heavy into crypto um, and uh, with with, S, with with Silicon Valley. Uh, I, th I think it was the same um, similar line of business, uh, definitely in the tech industry. And we saw it before our own eyes just just basically collapse. Um, and what happens is this is a time where, uh, as in any other um, topical news stories the 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 bad actors the threat actors the hackers want to get in there and and steal and just build up their bank accounts with with uh with all this this activity so um you know the banks can only get sorry who was going i was just going to say the thing to think about is like it's the most opportune time for attackers to strike right now because what's happening People are opening up new accounts. They're contacting their vendors. They're contacting their clients. They're saying, hey, I need you to update the wire, our wire transfer information, our AC information to our new banking account, right? And it's happening in droves right now because anybody who has those accounts is opening up new accounts someplace else and trying to update their At these big banks too, Morgan Citigroup. I mean, they're, they're, they're getting hammered. And, and, yep. and to your point. I think it's important to yeah. acknowledge, though, that we are not discussing hacking as being the cause of the right. banks failing. Correct. You're right. saying that because the banks failed and everybody's now transferring their money, this is a great time for them to get into some phishing campaigns and get into Exactly. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Just want to be clear on what we're They're discussing. They're taking the, oppor the opportunity, right? That's what hackers are. They're opportunistic. Sure. They want that's to right. use a case like this that's public. Information is out there. They know what's going on, so they can take advantage of that. Something, one thing I'll, I'll start with, and then we can kind of circle around here is that you kind of have to think of it. You're, you're, if you're a normal business practice, if, if you normally say, I don't know, 
five times a month or every day, however often you wire money to investors or to, or to third parties, whoever it is. And your process is get the email, send the wire, you know, get, get internal approval, send the wire, whatever it is, that process. I think a few steps need to be added, at least now in, in terms of just validating that initial communication, call that, make that phone call and validate that, that, cause this is when they know what's going on. So improve your own internal processes just for your own sake. And again, this is, we're talking about prevention here. So if you continue to do what you're doing and, and, and something comes through that, oh, you know what? We always do it that way. Well, you shouldn't. <clears throat> so I think that's. So that's what are some good ideas? On. What are some things to do? I mean, well, I, add, I, add another I, factor of, of, yeah. of you know, even though you know, we talk about multi-factor, that's another factor of, of authentication. Make that phone call. For instance. Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying like, oh, right, right. are we saying like the policy should be if you have a wire transfer that exceeds $10,000, that it has to be approved by two people? or, uh, you know, locally, or like, what is the practice or policy? What's the advice that we want to give people? Like, what's a good idea? I mean, there's the practice of having a deposit account, which is the account that you use to put money in and take money out, and then Mm -hmm. immediately gets transferred to something else, right? We just, we just did that recently, where we set up a separate account, so that if it does something weird happens, they can't have access to everything. I was going to mention that, but you win, Dave. I mean, I got a bank who uh, are in our bank account. We can take ACH in. It is not going to take ACH out, period. There is no withdrawal allowed from right. that account. Right. Under no circumstance. The only right. way is to transfer to another account. Well, so going back for a second, I think a simple measure, what you mentioned, Brian, is at a minimum. And I don't even think just right now. I mean, I think this should be permanently part of a process is that there's some type of second validation. So you get an email in, well, then you need to make a phone call with them to validate it is who they say they are um, and is actually requesting that change. And kind of alluding to what you were mentioning, David, too, is you kept saying policy or or process. I think I find that most businesses don't have like a formal policy that they follow for wire transfers or for fund transfers like this. And I think that's... A very simple policy that can be, you know, created. And it's like ultra important because it's at the end of the day going to save you a ton of money just by having uh, a simple one pager that kind of gives some directive on exactly what process to follow. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it, it's kind of, you know, small businesses notoriously don't have policies and procedures in place or in writing anyway, right? Most things are just by transfer of knowledge. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a small enough environment, what have you, or it's on the fly. We're figuring it out, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're just new enough. You just don't even know what you should make the process be. But I think cybersecurity and these types of things that are happening, cyber insurance requirements, all those things that small businesses have to participate in, right? is forcing them to at least get to a certain level of maturity where some of those processes and policies are going to be commonplace, right? It's just going to have to happen. It'll be a part of the package of starting your business, right? Like we're going to think through these five things while we lay out the business plan. Here's the additional things we got to do. And and that really needs to be the mentality and the culture in order for us as a country and as our economy to get past and survive this hacking. Yeah, I I think, um, Putting, we, we talk about this um, pretty often too, but putting the controls in place, um, if you don't have them already on your on your email tenant to 
flag something. If you, if you, if you have account numbers or wire numbers going out, you know what, collect that data, flag it and, and have it, have your, you know, your, your boss or someone else notified that this is going on. Cause right now, if you don't have those controls in place, you're just, again, not that you're doing anything wrong because that was your best practice, but now, you know, you, you have to the, the, raise the bar a little bit and just talk to your IT company, get, get some controls in place to monitor that. Yeah. We, we kind of do have to just up the game. You know, and it it doesn't have to be hard. It just needs to be a different way of looking at things and a different way to think about stuff. Right. First off, we don't do things in response or reaction. If somebody's got a really sensitive position, then maybe we put some more controls on them where certain types of email is being monitored. If, if it's got certain content in it, it can't go out without an approval or it's encrypted or, you know, there's a lot of tools out there that don't have to be super expensive or uh, costly that are really a part of your Microsoft stack that most people are using in their business today. And yeah. so it's yeah, easy I mean, what Brian mentioned is free, right? It's just part of the yeah. DLB, yeah. you know, sure. alert policies you can get set up. Yeah. And we have that. We, we, have don't a, we don't do any, you know, banking. And and, and the one time I, I, I did get an alert was, was a legitimate, someone was sending their um, personal information to someone else. And it was, it was legit, but I just, you know, want to know about that stuff. What's, what's leaving, or coming into my company, I think you know somebody should be in charge of kind of of that that data and knowledge, in, instead of it just being just wide open and, and having no. We get emails every day of the the uh, just a snapshot of the balances of all the accounts every day, just so that if there's an anomaly, like hey, yesterday that account had ten thousand dollars in it, now it's got one. What's going on? Like you know, right. that's not supposed to be happening. Right. You can see that, right? Yep. Yep. Lots of lots of little things like that. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I've heard that if if you typically would would handle things through a third party email, you know, a public, you know, Gmail or one of these other accounts, maybe now don't do that. Use use corporate email for all financial correspondence. Just you know, um, it, I, it comes back to all of those basics. It does. Oh, hundred percent. Right? Yeah. Complex passwords, not reusing them on different websites. You know, MFA. You know, not sharing roles. Everybody has a separation. You know, all those things are are the important things. <clears throat> you know, I I've been telling our customers I sent out some recommendations based on what was going on. Uh, adding the multi factor was something that I mentioned. Make sure you're <clears throat> making a phone call. On top of that, especially now, I'm not saying you know to stop doing it, but especially now, while all these accounts are probably being created, things are changing um, in terms of payment methods. If you see any emails coming from somebody who is appearing to be your bank, especially if you bank with one of these that's kind of closing out, you know, take an extra good look at any of those emails. And uh, I told them, don't call the phone number or click any of the links in the emails, just in case. Go right into the website and log in or call the customer support number on yeah. the website because this is another opportunistic moment that they know what's going on with these banks. Now they can create lookalike domains or they can send emails trying to appear to be one of these banks to get you to log in, click something, try and get access. You know, I'm not mistaken. If I'm not mistaken, I, I heard over the, the weekend on the news that they were even kind of like uh, limiting some of the normal requirements to get certain accounts set up to help expedite the movement, right? 
Yeah. Okay, that's a nice gesture, and it's probably necessary, but that's another opportunity, right? Because they're oh. not every check and balance is in place right this second. Mm-hmm. And so, wow, if they are savvy enough about that, they can slip right in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I actually have uh, a TD Ameritrade account with some small investments in it, and, and Schwab bought them. Oh, yeah, uh, we so know you're the, you're the everything's in the crowd. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's a minuscule amount of money in there. But but Schwab bought them and and everything's moving to their account. So I got an email yesterday or the day before. Um, here's some more. You know, uh, this is happening in May. But click here for more information. And right away, your my you know <laughs> alert. I was I was I was like, wait a second, is this legit? Whereas maybe a month ago I wouldn't have been. I would have you know because I know that's happening. I would have clicked on it. And it was like, you, you know, uh, you have to kind of just you know walk on on. Digital eggshells. I don't know what you call it, but yeah, it, 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 it I hate to say it. I, I really do because it's not how you want to look at humanity. Right. But you have to get into a zero trust. And, and, and I'm talking about when you're not able to identify the person who's right. standing in front of you talking, that's different, right? I, I already know who I'm speaking to when you're right there, but you just can't rely on that email being reliable anymore. You can't no. count on that. You can't, That you just can't. Um, and, and so, yeah, you have to scrutinize everything and it is a, it can be stressful. It can be full of anxiety. You know, people, they're having a rough time with it, but boy, oh boy, wait till you get hacked. I mean, you know, then the anxiety is going to be through the ceiling. Yeah. Right, David? I had, I had somebody come over to my door, uh, the other day and say, Hey, I locked my keys in my car. Can you help me get in? I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help you right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Can you break in for me? Yeah. <clears throat> no, right. And it, you know, prove it. Let me see the title in your ID. As I mentioned, and you want to uh, think? Oh, sure, I can help you. I got a hanger. Let me let me come out here and see what I can do. You know. Right. Yeah. It was interesting for sure. I mean, it, it seemed kind of legitimate, but like I, I just don't trust anything anymore. And we had a customer that had called the number on their back of their bank card, like you mentioned, Brandon. And they called it up, talked to the people, and they got all the financial issue because it was a credit card issue. They hung up the phone. About 30 seconds later, the phone rang. It was the company calling them back. They remoted into their computer. The, the company calling them back? <clears throat> yeah. But how would they know all that information if it wasn't the same company from the call they just had? So, so I was are they spooking my staff what they're doing? And my service coordinator used to work at a call center, and she said it's very common that they'll give your information to somebody, a friend or somebody to call you up and hack into your stuff. Mm. And so I'm just going to start telling all my customers, if you don't make the call, then don't let them in. And if it's obviously, if it's a number that pops up on a web browser, don't call that one either. But one that you got off the back of your credit card or off their website, like you mentioned. That That's honestly a really good point. Cause I, I don't like taking Like I tell them, Hey, you know what? Uh, I'm not comfortable here. I'm going to call back on the number. And if I get you or somebody there that's telling me the same thing, then, you know, I'll know that this was a legitimate call and I just hang up on them. And I love today's the internet, you can say, guys. I can't hear you. Are you still there? <laughs> Hello? Hello? I have a great call. Well, well, hold on. Let I'm me call my IT on. guy. Cause he really knows he'll be able to talk to you. Really, you know, yeah. You know, we not to get too far on a tangent here, but something that we're trying to implement is caller validation. So if somebody calls, yeah. That's a client says, or even if we're calling a client, we say, hey, we want to connect to you. Um, we had a customer say something to us 
that, well, we're not really sure that it was one of your techs calling that wanted access. And like, that's something that they're starting to worry about. So we're going to send a push notification to them when we're calling them and want to connect so they know it's one of our techs. And same goes back when they're calling and asking for a change. We're going to send them a notification so that they either give us a code or give us an approval. Yeah, we we're we, had some, we were looking at a product which which we're uh, actually demoed it and and purchased it. Just didn't have the time to onboard with them, so I put it on hold for now. But it's basic. It's it's validation for your client. So so when a client yeah. calls you for support, they have a pin, and and that pin will get texted to them. You can go as, as you know, kind of as deep as you want with with the solution, but you can either give everyone their own pin. Or have it auto generate. So when they call, they have to validate who they are. And yep. I have one customer that really is is um, they're using that now. And um, uh, I mean the prospect they're using that now, and they want to make sure that we're able to do that. I said, well, we can do static for now, but I, but I I think that's going to be something that that we're going to yeah. see more and more based on what we're seeing because. Guys, let's be honest. Like, Wireford is happening right now. It's been going on every day, uh, three sixty-five. I mean, it's it's not happening only now. It's it's always going on. Um, so you're always vulnerable, and 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 it's just now that the attention is brought to it, the risk goes up because of what's going on, and 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 the the phishing emails, and that's where it's going to come from. You know, ninety percent of the time um, is is from something like that, but. It, it happens. It's going to happen six months from now, two years from now. You're going to forget about it or whatever. It's still going on. To, to go back to you know, the the topic with phishing emails and this opportunity, these opportunistic attacks, layering in some type of AI driven anti spam system, I think, is a much needed thing now. Some <laughs> of the traditional, general like heuristics and categorizations that are just tossing in bulk emails into one place isn't enough. And I think adding either some of the advanced licenses through 365 or some of these third-party anti-spam systems to try and mitigate impersonation attempts or some of these like domains that'll just get spun up that are look-alike domains that look like your domain, which is still impersonation, but domain impersonation. Um, I think that's also an important layer that can be added in that can help mitigate user mistakes right so sure. you can train them on policy you can tell them train them on like hey what to look for and don't click links and make sure you call but at some point what does ic3 say or some of these other it's usually like a four percent uh click-through rate whether you train everybody or not like globally yeah. i think it's four percent or, or somewhere between three and four uh <clears throat> like somebody's gonna get through and once they get through is there something else, you know, systems in place that can help mitigate those clicks or right. block it or make sure the email doesn't even get there in the first yeah. place? Yeah. And one, yeah. you know, one thing we could say is, is look at your business insurance policy and, and are you covered for something like this? And if not, maybe that's, you know, get, get yourself some coverage. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's, you may not, you may have nothing and, 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 I know what I have, and I know you know our you know ENOs, our, our cybersecurity policies, and all that. We have a ton of insurance, and and we're well protected. But but the average business that a lot of even my own clients, I talk to about cybersecurity insurance now, 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 and it's it's like the need is there now, and and we're able to to help um, you know number one bring the premiums down because if you if you if you you know go in there and and you don't have these three things, well, well you're going to pay this much more than you know paying us to to put these controls in place and you're going to have a lower premium 
and um, be better protected. So that's something else to consider too. Look at your insurance. Right. And, and to be honest with you, this is a question I have. I mean, is there an insurance that will cover though if you have wire fraud? I mean, because a cyber policy, I don't think is going to provide any coverage for that. Well, um, I think if you know if you have insurance and and you have uh, controls in place that would have prevented that, and you did that, then then I think you have there's some kind of you know something you can okay coverage you can have, yeah, for sure. That's why we use credit cards for everything that you you receive. You mean, or that you for your for no your for us when we're doing stuff, just you know. Yeah, because sure. credit cards they protect the heck out of you. But and the other, I mean, the other thing is security training. Just you got to have people doing it because it just kind of keeps you on edge. Well, you should tabletop your own process today. Yeah. yeah, did you? Yeah, yeah. My, my required training. I got it in my email. There you go. What'd you learn? I, I had to take a test because that's how they're going to decide what to make me take this year. Oh, okay. Okay. I had to take it. It was like a baseline. Mm -hmm. Everybody in the organization is so that we can lay out the, you know, the plan. Okay. That's good. Um, Anybody got anything else? Any other advice, guidance for, for best practices? So we covered. um, There, there, there are a lot of products out there and I'm not going to get into product names or any of that kind of thing, but there, there are, there are tools and there are companies who are able to help small businesses achieve these things um, that aren't going to like suck up the entire budget unless you're compliance driven, then it gets a little bit more expensive if you got regulation and such, but for just general security and best practice, uh, I really do recommend people if, if they're not knowing or even thinking they know they should be calling somebody, somebody that's a professional that can guide them through that. Um, it's just not something to ignore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and from what I've, what I've experienced firsthand is, is it, 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 most of the time it falls on controls. If the controls aren't there, we had somebody that got, um, it took, it was a six month process, but someone was, was sitting dormant in their office 365 tenant and just watched the language of how emails were back and forth and back and forth and, 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 and eventually sent, an email out that that had one hundred and fifty thousand dollars wired to somebody because the dialogue was there and it was just and it was a six month. It's just natural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, look, for years, for decades, all the users were running as administrators on their computers, oh, and yeah, all yeah. the users did whatever they wanted to do. Right, like they could install the program, they could do this, they could do that, and it became normal. It's the norm, and so now here you come with security, and you say, hey. Uh, you don't get to go to that website anymore. Or, hey, we don't let you decide what programs get installed. The company decides what, you know, right? Because that's the best practice. That's the way to do it. But that is such a shock to the people that are involved. That Depending on the industry and people? Oh, my goodness. You got to ease them into it, right? And their role. And their role. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise it fails. And then, (laughs) then they're worse off than they were when they started. Right. Yeah. So you got to get that buy-in and buy-in and is hard, important. But it, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, maybe to your point, David, I, we've, we've experienced exactly that to the, like, I, I, do you know who I am in this company? Like, don't tell me I can't. And it's like, it, it, this is what you guys signed up for. This is, you know, 
Well, you know, I, I, you have a little bit more of an argument when there's a compliance regulation, right? Because Absolutely. then you can say, well, is that what you're going to tell the inspector, that's, right? Like, exactly. is that your answer for the, the auditor when they come in after your breach? That's what you're going to say? It's, it's out of your, out of 80 your computer people wasn't secure because you own the company. Exactly. And, and of, that's your answer, because if it is fine, we'll just put it on this piece of paper and you go ahead and sign right here that that's the decision you made. Yeah. And now we're good. <laughs> and I guarantee you that conversation will change yeah. very quickly. Yes. Well, they're, they're not allowed to use third party email. Well, that, that's no one's allowed to use third party email. But but I but I'm going to I have to. Like, well, then no. It's, it's <laughs> so we come across. Uh, yeah, that. I mean, my wife tells me all the time, you know. We have them. We're still wearing masks in our office. It's mandated. Like you don't. You I know you look different. Okay. All right. And I, I walk in and I don't have a mask most of the time, right? And I'm the one who's breaking the rules, and so I'm constantly getting told that you can't do that. Like just because you are Dave doesn't mean anything. If that's the law, that's the law, and she's right. You know. Is that why you walk so from home now? Yeah. I'm gonna exactly. tell her you said that, Dave. <laughs> oh, she'll 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 watch. She, she's probably watching now. Come on, <laughs> it's true. I mean, she's not wrong. Right. Uh, you know, I might not like it, and I may not completely agree with it on some level, but it is true. It's not fair. If you're gonna have a policy, you got to impose it on everybody. Yeah, that's true. Yes. All right, I guess, guys. I get Anything that else? it gets frustrating because it adds a lot more effort to stuff, but. It's not as bad as losing the money you'd lose. Or the reputation loss and potential loss business. But in time, it does become part of your normal routine. Like it it can become not such an overbearing change, right? Like, I mean, I got to tell you, you know, we're all doing this. And I know you like we're doing MFA every place we go. We're doing password manager. We're doing like all of us are doing that. And in the beginning, we didn't. We were the same as everybody else. Like. I use the same password on many servers. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, no, Uh, you know what I'm saying? But so I don't know. It's just, it's changed. It's not what it used to be. Yeah. And it's it's changed. Like to your point, it's changed for us too. Like we're adapting to this change. And and then what's happening today is going to be different in six months from now. You know, we don't know. Right. Um, Right. But we, you know, we're moving in the right direction, but the, 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 um, the opportunities and the the uh, the threat actors are, are, are only getting faster and better at what they do, unfortunately. And you, and you look at speaking of AI and all this other stuff that's yep. available now, I and mean, it's pretty scary what what can be done. And and you're talking about recognizing people's voice on the phone. I mean that that, that we're not going to be able to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you're going to think you're talking to me, and I mean not that anyone wants to sound like me, but there, there's mm-hmm. another me out there that that is able to just. That's what those one-time codes are going to be for. Exactly. Well, the funny thing is, is Brian's actually on vacation overseas right, right now. So I don't even know who's on this with us. It's an AI webinar. Is what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's his avatar. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I think we did all right here. Um, if you want anything to close with, now's the time. No, I think we're good. Two fa- uh, two-factor know. authentication on your wire transfers. Create a policy. Set up anti-spam. Make sure you're looking over those emails before you actually click any of the links. Yep. Call them directly. When you create create the policies, make sure your employees sign the policies. Hmm. Or test. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We deliver those through um, through our security awareness training, the Mm -hmm. policies, so that they that it shows that they watched and read and understood. Mm Mm-hmm. 
It works cool. nice. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. All right. Yeah, we will, Everybody have a good time. Reconvene yeah, next be week. Be safe. Same time See next you guys week. next week. See ya. Yep. Pretty soon. <laughs>